0: Just as a reminder then, what we're trying to be doing in this month and last month, in May and June, we're taking a quick overview of what's happening in the Old Testament. Now, of course, the the Old Testament is a big book, isn't it? And so it's a very quick overview, but it's there to just get you uh, wanting to read it for yourself as well. In July and August, then we'll be taking an overview of the New Testament. At the same time, on Mondays, quite a few of us, 20-odd, and some from other churches are coming here as well, just to go through the Bible Society's Bible course, looking at, again, the Old Testament and the New Testament, just so we can get some good foundations in our lives and really know the bigger picture of what happens in the Bible. So far, we've had four talks, and if you've been here, you'll, read, you'll know them, What is the Bible, the Pentateuch, Conquest and Judges, and the United Kingdom. Um, After today, we've got four more talks that we'll be looking at. And for me, this talk, perhaps, is the worst talk of all nine. (laughs) And that's not because I haven't sought God about what to say. Because I have. And it's not because... um, It's not because I haven't researched a lot. I've spent hours and hours reading and thinking about what's going on. I have done that as well. So it's not that I'm not prepared. The reason I think it's the worst one of all nine is because we really see human nature as it is. How people would rather follow their own ways rather than follow God's ways. And so some of the things we'll be saying today, you'll be thinking, oh, golly, crikey, my goodness. All those sort of words you'll be using just because mankind can be so bad, so horrible. Following God is always the best thing to do. And, you know, the monarchs that we're going to hear about and the ones that we're not going to hear about as well who were leading God's people, they should have known much better. They should have known and put into practice God's law. But it's just like Jeremiah said. They forsook God, the spring of living water, and they followed their own ideas and their own inclinations. So instead of drinking lovely, fresh water, people who made their own cisterns and followed their own inclinations... They just had stagnant water to drink instead. A lot of it's white. We'll read that a lot better when it's white, isn't it? We'll see that. Two years ago, we did a series, January and February 2017, and a lot of it was to do with the kings and the prophets in this era. And maybe you might remember, if you were here two years ago, having one of these. This is my copy one of the sort of background papers that we do now and again, saying this is a list of all the kings, this is a list of all the prophets, these are their uh, sort of references where you can find out about them. So it had a list of the kings of Judah, the list of the kings of Israel, and there was also uh, a reading plan as well, which you could uh, have, and all of this is still on our website. So even though it was two years ago, if you sort of want to look into it, You can just go on to the discovery page and just look at things and just print a copy off yourself. Really nice and easy. You can still do that. Also, all the talks, the nine talks that we gave on all these different kings are still there on the website. So if you sort of think after today, oh, I want to know more about that, then that's really easy. You can just go on our website and that will tell you a little bit more, no problem. Now, yesterday, I was minding my own business. Do you do that? Just mind... No. Okay, some of you don't mind your own business. But the thing was, yesterday, I was minding my own business, reading a book, and all of a sudden, this brilliant sentence appeared. And I just thought, I've got to put that on one of these slides. I'd almost finished all the slides, and I thought, that needs to go on as well. So, hopefully, it's here. I'll read it to you, because it's in black. So I'm saying... This person, Reverend Dr. Neil Hudson, is an Ealing minister, he said, The purpose of all history is to encourage us to embrace all that God could do in our own day. So the reason we're looking back isn't just to fill half an hour because history is boring. Oh, no, it's not. History is very exciting. The reason we're looking back is to see what people were like then, what God was like then, and say, Lord you're the same yesterday today and forever i know that the god who was faithful and just and full of mercy then is still all of those things today so do you fancy a bit of a history chip history trip should we all go together down memory lane okay it's not memory us really because it's going back a few thousand years a quick bit of a bit of history there was the united kingdom that Gail talked about last week And then there was the divided kingdom that came afterwards. The United Kingdom lasted about 120 years. And that was three kings, really. It was Saul, David and Solomon. So after that, it's the divided kingdom. And of course, that's what we're concentrating on today. And they were split between the ten northern tribes that called themselves Israel and the two southern tribes that called themselves Judah. In the northern tribes, it lasted about 205 years or thereabouts, and there were 19 kings in 205 years in six dynasties. In the southern kingdom, there were 20 kings in about 340 years and one dynasty. I know you're all with me, so what was that dynasty called? The one dynasty. Someone say David. Did someone say David? Yes. That is the correct answer, whoever said it. Because the one dynasty was David's lineage. Because he was, a God, he was a person who really went after God. And so God made all these promises. Yes, there's going to be people that follow you of your line that are going to serve me. The northern kingdom was taken into captivity by Assyria in around 722 BC. And then eventually the same happened to the southern kingdom. And in around 587 BC, then they too were taken into captivity. So there's probably around 40 kings we could look at. And if we spent, or worked it out, about 15 seconds on every king, we could talk about each king. But that just seems a bit worthless, doesn't it? You wouldn't be able to say very much at all. So what I've done, I've picked four kings that we're going to think about, two from the southern kingdom, two from the northern kingdom, just briefly thinking about what life was like and what the king was like as well. And then we're going to wrap it up by thinking about what we need to be like and what God's calling us to be like today. The first one, King Rehoboam. And if you want to look at any of this at home, again, you know, all these notes will be on the website by tomorrow. So if you want to look him up and read some of these things, then you can find out about him. He reigned for 17 years, and it was about three years into his reign that the Northern Kingdom split away. Now, you can read about why in those verses, but it wasn't just one thing that made the Northern Kingdom Go away from the southern kingdom. Because for quite a few years, many people in the northern kingdom weren't happy about what was going on with Solomon and David. So it wasn't just what Roboam said, but it was really what Roboam said, what was, what, what was breaking a camel's back, you could say. It was their, oh yeah, I've had enough. Because really, what was happening in the northern kingdom many of them had stopped worshipping God. They'd invented their own gods with a small g instead. Now you're going to think I'm pretty silly, perhaps, but I want to invite you to our god with a small g. This is just like the gods that the Northern Kingdom had. What a beautiful colander. But that's the sort of thing the Northern Kingdom was doing. Let's make a calf. Let's bow down and worship the calf. That calf looks beautiful. Let's worship the calf. The calf is our God, with a small g. Wouldn't it be ridiculous if I was going to say to you, Let's worship the colander. Do you know the colander is so useful? You can put things into it and water will come out and yet the things that you really want stay in. We should worship the colander. You would think I was plain ridiculous if I said something like that. Oh, but how lovely and shiny the colander looks. Surely we should worship the colander. But that's just what they were doing in the Northern Kingdom. They had their areas of worship where not just something like that would be there, but all kinds of other terrible, horrible things were. We might come back to that in a few minutes. So that was the Northern Kingdom, worshipping their own gods with a small G. Rehoboam followed foolish advice and even though the kingdom was fairly split already that was when the uh, kingdoms definitely split northern kingdom, southern kingdom. So that's a few thoughts about Rehoboam. You can read a lot more for yourself. How about this chap, King Ahab? 1 Kings 16, 29 to 22, verse 40. Many of us will have heard of King Ahab. Perhaps more of us might have heard of his wife. Now, I've put these words down very carefully, because usually I wouldn't put these words down together. But I'll say what the words are. He married an awful foreign woman. Because to me, being foreign, different from being born here, is brilliant, something to embrace, something to really get to know. But the thing was, she was an awful woman because she said, let's worship the calendar. Let's worship something man-made. Let's just worship not the true God, not what Yahweh. But let's take people away from worshipping God. Let's worship gods with a small g. Her name was Jezebel. Do you remember the story on Mount Carmel? Things were terrible in Israel at the time. So God anointed and brought up a man who was strong enough for the task. That was Elijah. And there was a bit of a set-do, weren't there, between the prophets of Baal and Elijah. And we know the story where God sent fire down on the altar because he is the true God. Whereas the people who are worshipping a colander, or something like it, they spent hours and hours calling on the colander to send fire on their sacrifice. Nothing happened. Elijah even jeered them in a way by saying, maybe your colander's on holiday. Maybe it's sort of asleep. And yet we know, worshipping a colander goes nowhere, does nothing. But worshipping the true and living God changes us and changes the world, changes society. What a terrible time to live if you're living in King Ahab's time. And he reigned for 22 years. Here's a few verses from 1 Kings 16, and it's verses 29 to 33. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 27 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, And Jeroboam was the first king of the northern kingdom. And it was he who set up some calves or cullendars in different parts of the kingdom so people could go and worship there, the false gods, rather than worship the true god in Jerusalem. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethabal, king of the Sidonites and began to serve Baal and worship him he set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in samaria and it tells you more about him there so he was terrible imagine living in the northern kingdom with a really terrible king and a really terrible person as his wife that wouldn't have been easy to be sort of following god faithfully would it Briefly, let's think about another king. King Uzziah, or sometimes he's called King Azariah. And again, there's some verses that you can look up about him if you want to. Uh, More details about him in 2 Chronicles 26. And he had the second longest reign of all the monarchs. He reigned for 52 years in the southern kingdom. And a lot of us have heard of him, haven't we? Because you may not think, oh, I've read about King Uzziah. But you've read about the beginning of someone's ministry. And of course, it was in the, king, in the year that King Uzziah died, that Isaiah's ministry began. Because he had this vision from God. And in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died. This is the book. And he was kind of an okay king, but he wasn't really going for it. He wasn't really following God with all his passion that he could. But he was Okay. I'll read a few verses from 2 Chronicles, chapter 26, uh, verses 3 and 5. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother's name was Jekolah, and she was from Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father Amaziah had done. He sought God during the days of Zechariah. Now, that's not Zechariah who wrote the book, because he came 200 or more years later. So this is another Zechariah who instructed him in the fear of God. As long as he sought the Lord, God gave him success. So he had someone sort of with him in the palace saying, fear the Lord, do this and you'll be successful. Follow God. This is the way to go. So if you've got someone there helping you and teaching you these things, That's a great thing, isn't it, to know about the fear of God. One more king, very briefly again. He listened to godly advice, this is King Uzziah, but not spiritually spick and span, because he didn't get rid of all the different things. The verses are there, you can read it for yourself if you want to. Here's another jolly good king, King Josiah. And we've got lots of verses that we can read about him if you want to. Along with Hezekiah, he was the best king, the most godly king who reigned, who ruled the southern kingdom. And there were great reforms that he did. When they were sort of uh, in the temple, they found the book of Deuteronomy. And so they changed a lot of what was going on in the southern kingdom because Josiah said, this is what God says. This is what's saying in the book of the law. We need to do it. Let's obey what God says. And so he was one of the best kings. The trouble was, though, his son didn't turn out to be a great king at all. And so I was thinking yesterday about it, thinking, yeah, all these good laws that he made and the good things that he did in the country. And yet what was happening in his home? What was his son like as he was growing up? He saw what his dad was doing, how the changes he'd made. But I wonder what family life was like. Why his son turned out not to be what we wanted to hear. So the book of Deuteronomy was found, and reforms were initiated. So was having a king, a great idea. We probably all know the answer already, don't we? But I've got this quote that I definitely will read out because again, it's black. By Eugene Peterson, he says this: "The story of the Hebrew kings makes it clear." that it was not God's idea that the Hebrews have a king. But since they insisted, he let them have their way. But God never abdicated his sovereignty to any of the Hebrew kings. The idea was that they would represent his sovereignty, not that he would delegate his sovereignty to them. But it never worked very well. After 500 years and something over 40 kings, there was not much to show for it. Even the bright spots, David and Hezekiah and Josiah, were not very bright. Human beings, no matter how well-intentioned or gifted, don't seem to be able to represent God's rule anywhere close to satisfactory. The Book of Kings documents 500 years of failure, proving that the Hebrew demand of God to have a king was about the worst thing they could have asked for. The northern tribes, the southern tribes. Not a success. Not a success. (coughs) Having a king was a terrible idea because it wasn't in God's plan. God called the Israelite kings and the Israelite people and the people of Judah to do two things. They were called to reflect God's sovereignty in their own lives and to show a deep unity between themselves to the nations around them. That was the two things that God wanted them to do. To reflect his sovereignty and to be unified together. But on both counts, they were not a success. Many of you will know this psalm that I'm going to read out. Psalm 133 from the New Living Translation. How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. For harmony is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head, that ran down his beard and onto the border of his robe. Harmony is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon, that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there the Lord has pronounced his blessing, even life everlasting. I've got a question for you it's rhetorical so you don't need to answer out loud but you can nod your head or shake your head if you want to are we united I've got several different categories you can nod and shake remember or say something as well if you want to is this country united we've got brexit scottish independence the haves and the have-nots, food banks, people with jobs, people with no jobs. There's a long list. I've left plenty of space in case you wanted to add something. Are we united as a country? United Kingdom. Uh, yeah, We're, this is interesting, isn't it? We're the United Kingdom, but that's from the 1700s, isn't it, when we became a United Kingdom. Are we a United Kingdom now? Remember what the psalm said. Here's another version, New International Version this time. How good and pleasant it is when God's people says, live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. So we're called The United Kingdom. I don't think we are. What about Nuneaton? Now, I think Nuneaton is quite famous. Shall I give you some examples why I think Nuneaton is famous? Here's some pictures. We've got George Eliot. We've got lorries that often fall down on their side because they can't get under a bridge, even though there's a sign on the bridge saying this is the height. This is the last one that did it, 1st of March. We've got a lovely clock tower. We've got a great railway junction. Sometimes when I'm in different places, uh, people say, where are you from? I'll say, Nuneaton. Oh, I know the junction there for the railway, they'll say, and things like that. And then now we've got a tower crane just opposite the library. So maybe one day we might become famous for having a small tower crane. Who knows? Maybe you've got some other ideas why Nuneaton could be famous. Are we united? I don't think so. Here's the results from the Euro election. You can't read them because it's in black. 33.47% of the electorate voted in the election. Brexit party had 14,000 and a bit. Labour party had 4,000 and a bit. Lib Dems and Conservatives, 3,000, nearly the same as the Greens. You know, all of these split. A lot of people are just so have different opinions in the Neaton about different things. And some people won't say anything. Some people give their views very strongly. And they say, you don't have to be down a pub or down uh, anywhere, really, but they'll give their opinion very strongly because they have strong opinions. And they don't care if they agree with them or not. They'll still give their opinion. But do you remember that song? Psalm 133. Again, I'll read it from the Amplified. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment poured on the head that ran down on the beard, even the beard of Aaron, the first high priest, that came down upon the collar and skirts of his garments, consecrating the whole body. It is like the dew of lofty Mount Hermon and the dew that comes on the hills of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, even life forevermore, and I really like this, upon the high and the lowly. So God's blessing is for those that are well-known, those that are just humble, all kinds of people. God's blessing is for everyone. Let's just have two more quick ideas about being unified. Are we united? I think we're pretty united. I think we're sort of singing from the same hymn sheets or singing from the same wall, if we're sort of talking about it in a 21st century way. I think we are. But here's this prayer again from the message. How wonderful, how beautiful, when brothers and sisters at NCF and other churches get along. It's like costly anointing oil, flowing down head and beard, flowing down Aaron's beard, flowing down the collar of his priestly robes. It's like the Jew on Mount Hermon, flowing down the slopes of Zion. Yes, that's where God commands the blessing and ordains eternal life. So I think God is blessing us because we are meeting together, wanting to know God and wanting other people to know him too. Let's just think about one more part of being unified. And it brings it right down a little bit more. To ourselves. Now, just as an aside, I really like this shirt. I do, I really like it. And it's the only one in the world because it's Fiona who made it. Now I can say how good it is and brilliant, because Fiona's not here today, nor Jill, they're away together for a weekend. But it was Jill's inspiration that I'd have a, a shirt with flags on, and it was Fiona that made it. So every time I see it in the wardrobe, I just think, there's the world that I can pray for. I love it. And I don't wear it that often. Well, not here, but I wear it at home sometimes. And I think, wow, it's great. I really like it. The trouble is, there's a problem on the next photo. I'm wearing a crown. Thinking about history again, some of you will remember this day very well. 66 years ago today, our Queen was crowned in Westminster Abbey. For me, brilliant. She was the right person for the job and she's had decades of really serving our country. You may not agree, that's great. We can talk about it later. But for me, having the crown on her head, she set herself her life to follow God and serve our nation. Sometimes I put a crown on my head. And it's not to serve anybody, apart from myself. Sometimes I can be pretty selfish. You don't see that here. But when I'm at home, I can be selfish. Because I'm putting my own crown on. I'm saying, God, I've had my quiet time today. The rest of the day is mine don't do that very often by the way don't think oh that's terrible just now and again just letting you know but now and again i'll just have my quiet time for half an hour 40 minutes 50 minutes oh i've done my god bit and now oh now i'm going to do this now i'm going to do that but of course god still speaks and he says hello is that what happens to you sometimes Who is wearing the crown today in your life? We've looked at these other kings who didn't make a success. And some of them, many of them in fact, worship the calendar. In your life, what is the calendar? Is it the latest iPhone? Is it having plenty of money in the bank? Is it doing well at your exams? Oh, I'm so glad I'm not doing my exams now. Is it sort of doing something really good because you want it? But that's your calendar? And we look at this and say, worship a calendar? How ridiculous. How silly. How could the Israelites fall for that? And yet in their own lives... We all have different calendars, don't we? We all have different things that take our focus away from God and put our focus on something else, something that's trivial, something that doesn't last, something that isn't important at all, really, in the scheme of things. And God says, put the calendar down. Forget the calendar. I'm the living God. Come and worship me. Come and spend time with me. I've got some questions I want you just to think about. Don't say anything out loud. Some questions to ask yourself. In my normal day-to-day life, do I reflect God's love, mercy, grace and kindness? is God's sovereignty over me easy to spot in my life? Am I usually any different to most of the people I come across? Am I often selfish, demanding or ignorant? Has having a relationship with God made any significant difference in my life? We looked at the Israelites and we said, God called them to reflect his sovereignty and God called them to be together. God calls us to do the same things. To reflect his sovereignty to other people. And to be unified together. To love God. To follow his way. And so there's two things we're thinking about today. The divided kingdom. Today God calls us to reflect his sovereignty In our own individual lives. Today, God calls us to live in unity and harmony with others. And you might say, Thanks for the challenge, John, but that's way too hard. You don't know what my life is like. You don't know who I live with. You don't know my history. You don't know my present circumstances. The beautiful thing today is we're going to take communion together. And there we can remember what Jesus did and give thanks that he can make a difference in our lives. So instead of being ensnared by different types of calendar, we can say, Lord, you are the one I worship. You are the one I give my life to. There's one more extract from the Bible I want to read. And that's going to be from Philippians 3. Verse 12 to 14. It's from the Living Bible. And it says this. I don't mean to say I am perfect. I haven't learned all I should even yet. But I keep working toward that day. When I will finally be all that Christ saved me for. And wants me to be. No dear brothers. I am still not all I should be, but I am bringing all my energies to bear on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race and receive the prize for which God is calling us up to heaven because of what Christ Jesus did. I love my Greek words. Verse 14, it says, strain, dioko is that Greek word. And it means pursuing with haste, hunting with passion. It's got a negative connotation as well as a positive one. And yesterday, as I was thinking about this, I was just thinking about runners that are competitive. When they're nearing the end of the race, they're with all their might, they're sort of pushing themselves forward. Their eyes are bulging. They're really trying to dip towards the line to get there first. And that's what God is calling us to do not just in our lives, to say, yeah, that's okay. I don't mind, sort of, God's died for me. I accept Jesus as my saviour. Lovely. God is encouraging us today to strain with all we've got to follow him, to put some energy, some oomph into what we're doing. A few months ago, we were saying we're on the cusp of something. And I think we are. But what are our hearts like? Are we soft and pliable for God? Are we fervent in prayer? Are we fervent in reading the Bible? Are we open to God surprising us by what he wants to do rather than what we think he should do? So my prayer for all of us today and for myself is that we'll take off our crowns that we metaphorically wear we will put aside our false gods with a small g our calendars, or whatever it might be that will say lord i open my heart to you i want people to see that you are the sovereign in my life i want people to see that i'm unified with my brothers and sisters because of your love for me so let's pray and in a few minutes we're going to say lord thank you You are our lover. You are the one who sacrificed everything for us. Thank you, Lord, that you're not a God that man has created. We know there are so many small g-gods around that people create and worship and spend time worshipping and spend money worshipping as well. Lord, we're sorry where we've done that. We want to turn, Lord, and worship you only. Lord, will you help us to remember the great things about looking back in history so that we can see where you're at work then and how you can be at work in us again today. Please, Lord, we ask, come and work through us and surprise us. Show us things that we just can't even contemplate now because, Lord, we know that you created us and you created us to glorify you Help us, Lord, to do that in our lives, we pray. Amen.